0: Welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast, and I'm Allie. And I'm Jenny. And today we're talking about beer bad and <laughs> room with a view. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, I was like sort of bummed like, to come back after a few weeks, and I was like, yeah. oh, beer bad, but man, I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs>
1: I Yeah, I have a lot of conflicting feelings about everything in these episodes, <laughs> <laughs> and I was... I mean, not to just jump into everything, but like, to for some context, I was in like a really bizarre headspace when I started watching these. So I have all these like, I, okay, I, I was gonna wait until we started talking about the actual episodes, but whatever uh so yesterday <laughs> we'll in the jump morning <laughs> yeah yesterday in the morning I got up and I finally finished um Amber Spyglass which is the last book yes. in the His Dark Materials series oh but I can so, see what I, that yeah. yeah so I had like I had like 20 pages left so I like got up in the morning sat on my new comfortable chair and I was like I'm just gonna sit here in peace and read this and it was a really wonderful experience but like there are a lot of emotions at the end of that and I reacted to them accordingly so I finished this book, and then I'm like talking about it with some I'm, with a couple people. I was talking to Alex, and I was talking to my friend. And I was like texting her, and I was like, blah, blah, blah. and um, yeah. So I was like, okay. And so then my friend was like, oh my god! But did you watch the Good Place finale yet? And I was like, no. And so then immediately went into that. I don't I don't know if you're caught up. You probably are not because you've been I am. for weeks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. So i not that I have anything spoilery to say about it, but it just dovetailed a lot with at least my feeling, or maybe it was just because I watched them back to back, but, like, basically the two of those, like, really got in my head. I have all these intense feelings about, like, morality and life and, like, growing up and, like, again, to just, like, go into this episode was just, like, oh, my God, now that's all I can think about. So, like, I was just in a weird headspace. And it worked in Buffy's favor and against it, I think. Anyway, all that to say, I'm probably going to make weird comparisons to uh, <sighs> Amber Spyglass and also The Good Place.
0: <laughs> well, I'm interested to hear both of those comparisons because... This is not a good place podcast, but I, I want to talk
1: about it. Yeah, so I guess much. I thought <laughs> it was so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, I was just like really emotionally raw already, and then like went. And well, not already. Like Buffy didn't like um, emotionally rub me, but. Um,
0: well, we'll get we'll get into yeah. some of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, sorry, so really weird. I didn't tell you. I as you were <laughs> like, oh, I finished the Amber Spyglass. I was kind of like, oh, I gotcha. Like I yeah, knew because like when I finished oh that book, I think God, I thought it about was... it for like a week. Like, and I had
1: I had like I like I said, I only had like twenty pages left, and I still like there were so many things. Not so many things hadn't happened, but like a big plot point hadn't been revealed and then they did and I was like I'm so sad now (laughs) like it's just awful I'm mad at everybody who made me read those
0: (sighs) I need to reread those because it's you really should
1: also I have to say especially uh again we're not talking about Buffy at all now but um I have this reaction to a lot of things lately. I think it's something about being in your early thirties or maybe that's just my perspective where like I'm constantly reflecting on like being an adult or like how much I do or don't feel like being an adult or like what has changed since I was younger and stuff. But like that whole series really, it's like literally, you know, it's like on the surface. It's about being, hitting puberty and becoming an adult. And like, again, the final chapter and the final pages like hit those notes really hard. And like, I think... It would have been such a different experience to read that if I was 14, 15, 16 than it is to read it when I'm 32. But like, I highly recommend, like, I think I got a lot out of it as an adult that I think I would have missed as a younger reader. Like, I regret that I didn't get to read it that way also, but like, I'm saying I definitely recommend you reading it again because I think you'll have different reactions to it. Or at least get more different parts of it.
0: Well, that's a good point because I was probably 18 when I read Mm -hmm. them and so becoming an adult felt like this great awesome potential thing and now Mm -hmm. with a little bit of Mm -hmm. the like mixed mixed like results you know like to go back and read that should be really interesting
1: I think it is um which is not to say that I don't have any criticisms of it I think the third one was my least favorite by far but I liked the ending a lot it really
0: redeemed the whole thing for me I remember being stressed reading the third one.
1: It is it is stressful, and it's kind of frantic. And there's like he throws even more characters and plot lines into it that I think kind of didn't need. He didn't need it, but whatever,
0: whatever. So otherwise, how are you? How have you been? Because we've been regularly <laughs> regularly posting episodes, but we haven't chatted in like three weeks. or four weeks.
1: Yeah. So other than the occasional g chat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay. I uh, it's been. I, I don't know. End of 2017 was one of the longest spans of time that I've had in my life. And I feel like j- this January also felt really long. I don't know if that's good or bad, though. But I don't know. You know, I have a new job. That's interesting. And I've bought some new furniture. I guess that's interesting. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at in my life.
0: See, I feel but, like January went by super fast. But that's yeah. probably because I was gone for most of it. mm mm-hmm. um, And, you know, when you want time to slow down, it doesn't really do that for you. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like you've got a new job going well, and I think new furniture is exciting. I don't know. It
1: is. I actually, I don't want to undersell that. (laughs) Also, we didn't have a couch for a month. Oh. And that was where we spend all of our time. (laughs) We're lazy people that watch a lot of TV. uh, And that was rough, but it's great to have a couch.
0: (laughs) I didn't realize you were doing without for a whole month. So what, did you sit on the floor?
1: no we sat on like a dining room chair and a side chair that we had
0: no but those aren't comfortable well the side really yeah the side
1: chair it was like we had to like alternate who got to sit in the side chair that (laughs) one was fine but the dining room chair was like not it's not suitable for lounging no Um, I mean
0: if I remember your side chair is like you can't like sprawl out in it so no well how's the new couch it's great Uh, There was also a
1: lot of issues because the first one that we ordered didn't fit in the stairwell to get up to our apartment. (gasps) No. Uh, So then it didn't get delivered, and then we had to buy a shorter one. But ultimately, it was for the best.
0: Um, But I read about this thing in New York where there's like a couch doctor that can come and like saw your couch and
1: (laughs) and take it it upstairs (laughs) and
0: then put it back together.
1: Uh, No, (laughs) I am not doing that. (laughs) You know, again, at the end of the day, it was for the best because – the couch is deeper than I realized it was, and so it's actually still really – it feels really big in the room. I think if it were even longer, it would just take the whole room up. So, like, a little bit – it's too long – it's too deep for our room, but oh, well. It's comfortable.
0: It's the same couch that my parents have. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are really comfortable. <laughs> but
1: we ended up – so we have the one that is, like, on the side. The shorter one is the one that we ended up getting.
0: Oh, Because okay. the,
1: the other one didn't fit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a pretty massive couch, actually. Yeah. 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 Sometimes anyway. they just don't fit where you want them to. Although, I'm now that I'm thinking about this, like that's crazy because like I think one time we fit like your entire family plus me on that one couch. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's really big. It's yeah, a really guess, big couch. Ultimately, ultimately, that was misguided, but whatever. You know, we've learned some lessons, and now we have a couch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the small one's really comfy too. So yeah, it's like yeah. also more, I guess, apartment sized. So.
1: Yeah, it is. Um
0: always tough when you have to like rein in like what you want because you're like oh I, I live in an apartment I have to like yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> I have to remain like realistic here about what can actually fit
1: well and I didn't it literally was the building that made that decision for me but it was the right decision so like it's
0: fine <laughs> was there a point where they were just like this is not going up the stairs mm-hmm
1: and there's a service elevator too so it was like I mean just to get into all the weird details basically it fit into it was, like, an inch away from fitting in any direction. Like, they couldn't get it into the service elevator because of the depth, but then they couldn't carry it up the stairs because, like, the, where they come in on the basement when they make deliveries, and that apparently that ceiling is a couple inches shorter than all the rest of the ceilings in the building. So, like, it didn't fit lengthwise in the stairs, and it didn't fit widthwise in the elevator.
0: And then how would they have pivoted that into the door?
1: <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. probably it's good be figured it out exactly it's like you know what let's not go down that road
0: well and probably in New York that's not something that doesn't happen all the time right like where like someone's like well just kidding this doesn't fit in my building so
1: that's kind of what what I came to I feel bad because Alex was the one that was here like dealing with it and he was uh, you know I was like after the fact I like felt a lot of residual stress as well but whatever you know again it all worked out now we got a couch so
0: yeah And you learned something. I learned something. (laughs) Measure, measure, (laughs) measure the doors. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) You can't just eyeball it based off of your old couch, (laughs) which is what I had done. (laughs) Actually, I think we did measure our doorway. We just didn't realize the – like, we didn't measure the elevator, which was stupid.
0: Well, I mean, wouldn't you assume that the elevator and the doors are kind of the same? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) That's what I would. Although, maybe not, I don't know. Like, the elevator in my building is like a coffin, so I can't really fit anything in it, so –
1: Yeah. And ours is like, there is like a dedicated, I mean, people use it for the building as well, but it's like the specifically the service elevator. So I just expected that one to be kind of like, yeah, you can fit things in there, but.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're in a fairly newish building, but like, I think the other problem is like when you're in a building that was built for like another time and like (laughs) much smaller pieces of furniture and like shorter people and like all kinds of stuff. So. So how are you? Very tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was gone for three weeks for work and vacation, and now I'm back and very tired but very happy that I went. Um, I think everyone should – well, maybe not everyone. I think it's a very specific thing, like, yeah. whether you enjoy it or not. But personally speaking, like, this was the first time I had traveled somewhere – long-term, not long-term, but like longer than a few days and to mm-hmm. a place that didn't really speak English, like by mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I feel really empowered. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, I'm a person who can do things. And like, you know, like it was like a struggle at times and like kind of frustrating, but like, it was also really fun. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm totally capable mm-hmm. person. This is amazing. And, yeah. you know, like none of that on some level, really surprised me, like because like living in a city, I think you gain skills and you kind of already know, like okay, I can handle right. this or this. And like Japan is also like the safest place I think I've ever been. So yeah. like there was like it kind of removed that element of like what am I gonna do? Because like oh I can't leave my stuff here or whatever. But like right, Japan, right, you totally can. That so, is nice.
1: Yeah, that is <laughs> interesting. Great. Because I do mm. find that to be one of the bigger stressors of like traveling, and specifically traveling alone, is like it's hard when you can't. Yeah, like even when I'm in the airport alone, I'm like, oh, I have to take all my suitcase to the bathroom every time. Uh, that's you the number one like, reason annoying. I basically
0: started checking my luggage the whole time. Saying like, yeah. like, I just like, don't want to deal, deal with it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like honestly, twenty five dollars seems like a small price to pay for freedom to like, yeah, exactly. go where you want. Um, or even just in those airports where like they still haven't made the stalls big enough for a suitcase. Right, like, it's just so awkward and gross. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say that was difficult was like in Japan, like you can literally take the train anywhere and it's amazing. And like so many people take their suitcases and like you can see all these people with luggage on like public transit. Mm-hmm. But what they still haven't done, and this kind of blows my mind, is like there's not always an escalator. So oh, like yeah. between where you need Man. to go. So like, pack light and be prepared for a workout. Cause like, mm. like when I was leaving, like I took the monorail to the airport, which was really cool. Cause it was mm-hmm. like so efficient, like whatever. <laughs> but I get to the monorail station and I was like, are you kidding me? Like this is the monorail that goes to the airport and there's one elevator. That's crazy. Yeah. There, maybe there was an escalator somewhere else, but I couldn't find it. And all it, and, and the platform is on the third floor and you enter on the ground floor. And I was like, Well, I could wait in this line for the elevator or I could just suck it up and haul my suitcase up three flights of stairs, which is what I did. But, like, that was a workout. And, like, I was like, man, like, if you pack too much or you're just not able to lift your suitcase, like, that's the only time where I'm like, okay, being by yourself would really suck. Because, Mm -hmm. like, I just luckily, like, packed really lightly. And, like, I mean, but I had, like, I was gone for three weeks, so I had a good-sized suitcase. And, like, I just had to, like, lift it up the stairs or down the stairs or whatever. And, like, there were times where I was like, this really sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was kind of mind-blowing to me because otherwise they're so, like, that country is so well-designed and built. And I was like, just put in some escalators. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, a lot of stations had them, but, like, whenever they didn't, like, so, like there was this one underground passageway I had to navigate going to my hotel in Tokyo and like there weren't any escalators and like I was getting kind of like turned around and I didn't really know which direction I was heading and I was constantly going upstairs only to then go back down them and like the whole Mm -hmm. time I had my suitcase and on the ground they have these like yellow like strips embedded in the floor that have like, they're like the raised strips where like, it's kind of like on the sidewalk, like the, I don't know how to describe it, but like they're bumpy, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, I guess, I don't know what they're for inside a station, but they have the effect of like, if you have a really crappy suitcase, you're going to lose the wheels on your suitcase. Oh no. <laughs> it was a really good test for my luggage because I was like constantly rolling over this like uneven ground. And I was yeah. like, if I don't, if I lose a wheel on this, I would not be surprised. <laughs> so that's the time where I could be like, all right, I need someone to help me lift. But yeah, yeah that was my long winded way of saying, otherwise it was mostly great to be traveling alone but sometimes yeah. you just want someone to do the heavy lifting for you yeah <laughs> that's actually generally the only time in my life where I'm like I really need someone else here is like I can't lift <laughs> this by myself <laughs> but it was a good trip and I'm kind of glad to be home though like I yeah cooked that's myself a long you were for a long night. time yeah cooking myself dinner felt so luxurious <laughs> <laughs> um okay so backtracking back to Buffy Um, I have no, no clever segue. (laughs) Uh, no. Yeah. So do you want to do the Buffy recap? Sure.
1: Okay. Um, so Buffy episode five in season four. Why am I saying that? We never say that, but yeah, beer bad. Uh, I mean, this one is again, fairly straightforward, although there is a lot of little background stuff going on in this one. Um, Basically, Buffy is, you know, still not totally over the Parker debacle. And so we open on this kind of like daydream fantasy that she's having where she uses her Slayer powers to save him. And he's eternally grateful, (laughs) Uh, which as you think is kind of relatable. Um, But yeah, so she's like dozing off in her psychology class, Psych 101 or whatever, uh, where they're learning about the id. Um, But yeah, so... She, We learn that the id is sort of the, like, part of, psycho- according to Freud, is the part of your psychology that makes you just act on your base instincts, maybe. And that's kind of the theme of this episode. So Xander got a job on campus as well, working at the, like, local pub. Uh, and so he, uh, Buffy comes into the bar pub one night and ends up getting beers with these kind of douchey upperclassmen. I assume they're upperclassmen. And Xander's serving them all their beer. And um, one of them is super rude to Xander and basically makes fun of him for not being one of the students and is kind of like poking fun at his class and education, uh, which Xander doesn't love, but whatever. Um, But yeah, the more and more that these guys drink beer along with Buffy, it seems like it's having a particularly adverse effect on them. Like not only are they just getting drunk and kind of stupid, but they're like actually getting dumber and losing like becoming cavemen. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. It turns out that the bar, the guy who owns the bar is tired of all these douchey college boys making fun of him. And so he's used his like connections with his like brother-in-law who's a warlock or, or somebody's cousin or something, uh, to, to put a spell on the beer that's going to make everybody turn into cavemen. <laughs> what a weird plan. Um, but yeah, so those guys start wreaking havoc on campus. They're destroying a lot of property. They set fire to maybe the student union. And Buffy, even in her kind of cave, caveman state, is able to save Parker and save the building. Well, actually, I think the building's still caught on fire. Um, this is a... I took notes, and this is the worst summary I've ever done. But basically, <laughs> the students drink beer that turns them into Neanderthals. They wreak havoc, but Buffy still is able to save the day, even though she's also one of the Neanderthals. Um... Yeah, and then she gets a sad apology from Parker by the end of it, but because she's not really herself, she doesn't really get to hear it, and then she just knocks him over the head, which is pretty satisfying.
0: I don't know. I feel like Buffy was, like, a more evolved cave person than the other well, people. Well, she, yeah. Maybe because she, she had She had had beer. slightly
1: less beer than them, yeah, yeah, because eventually Xander kicks her out and stops serving her. Um, But, yeah, the other just kind of background thing that goes on in this episode is that You know, I think we saw last episode or the one before that Oz like made eye contact with this other girl on campus, and it was like kind of a bizarre scene. But in this episode, he and uh, Willow—you know—he's playing at the bronze, and Willow is there to watch him. And then this other band starts to play, and that girl turns out to be the lead singer. And again, like Oz is having this like really bizarre he's kind of enthralled by her and it's like obvious to Willow and maybe not not obvious to him, but like, he doesn't know what's going on. And Willow is starting to kind of feel, um, you know, she's starting to feel bad about herself because of it. Like it seems like Oz is a little bit distracted and he's not as into her as maybe, maybe he has been up until this point. So that is just the thing that's going on that didn't really affect the beer bad plot line.
0: Well, I think we also get this, like, insinuation that like they went up to the band after and like they were kind Uh, of like bratty to willow or whatever Mm -hmm. she called her a groupie like yeah called her a groupie um but yeah we're getting a little bit more groundwork laid with the oz situation Mm -hmm. um i don't know i feel like this episode was a kind of a return to like formula of like they're learning in school about some concept, and then we see like the supernatural version, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. they're learning about the id, and then this whole episode is about the id of like having what, like the things that you want, even though your brain might be telling you like Buffy's brain is telling her she doesn't want Parker, but like she wants Parker, and mm-hmm. like, she's trying to rash Like she's still moping over him, which I'm done with. Thank God, we're the show done is now it. done with yeah. it. Yeah, and um, you know she. She wants to like rationalize what he's doing and what he's feeling, and like right. trying to come up with all these alternatives, and like keeps imagining her saving him. Although I did like the one where he showed up with the ice cream.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> his open shirt. Because it's like it like funny. her id yeah. is
0: totally taken over, and so the whole thing with this caveman thing is like the id comes out because like she, her brain is less evolved or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of see her working through it in that kind of way. Um, like she gets to kind of beat him in a way that she wouldn't do as normal Buffy Mm -hmm. um even though she contemplates leaving him in a vampire cave or whatever right yeah (laughs) um but I mean it's it's it felt very much like a um like a high school episode of like it did we're gonna talk about the dangers of drinking underage and then also about exploring your like you know inhibition your or yeah inhibitions or whatever and Mm like um I don't know it was just kind of like oh I get I get what you're doing and it, it kind of felt like don't. Kind of refreshing. Yeah, like, it was kind of, like, nice to go back to something that was, like, recognizable and, like, yeah. all this stuff. It was kind of fun. And, and also, I, like, I think that the whole group is involved. Right, You
1: know, right. like, Xander's
0: actively involved in this storyline. Oh, my God. We
1: have to have a whole side note about Xander. but yeah. But before that, though, but I do – I agree with you. I think – this is where I feel like I had a mixed reaction to this episode because I think as long – as as has seemed to have been the theme for all of season four, I think upon closer examination, a lot of this stuff falls apart. But on the surface, like, I think this was a totally enjoyable episode. Like, I do, I, apparently people really hate this one because it's, like, too, like, kind of shoved down morality of, like, drinking is bad and casual sex is bad. But I I didn't really feel that way watching it. I kind of did feel like, I mean, it is common experience in America to go to college and drink too, like, you're it's the first time you're away from parents and nobody's supervising you maybe and you know in many cases and so like there is a tendency I think to kind of go overboard with things whereas like it's just a realistic college experience for a lot of people I think but like I don't I didn't feel like the show was saying it was actually saying beer bad period I think they were you know they were kind of demonstrating like things can get out of control and you have to be mindful about it and kind of the same with the Parker situation where it's like I don't really feel like they're saying having a casual relationship is bad so much as saying like when you get older, there's a lot of mixed expectations and those are things that are tough to navigate. So I don't know.
0: No, I, I guess I, that, like none was...
1: of that stuff rubbed me the wrong way. I do think that if we, as we kind of examine this more piece by piece, there are a lot of things that didn't work, but I think on the, on the whole, I think if you were just watching this episode and you're like, you know what, I think this is a kind of fun, as you said, like, it's a fun return to form. Like it feels familiar. It's starting to kind of like, they're still struggling to feel figure out what is this college like. What do college years mean for Buffy? But I think this was like a fine one.
0: I see. I don't agree that there it's some kind of morality thing. Like I think like the fact that Buffy shows up at the bar and she's drinking, no one's really like, oh, Buffy's having a drink. Oh no, it's more like I think they were talking about like the the reasons she's drinking, like, and because she's like immediately like binging or whatever. Like I think that's kind of more the like this isn't going to end well kind of thing. Right. But I th- I think, like, I, I like, like, like Giles is, like, you shouldn't have given her beer. And Xander is kind of like, why not? Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's a grown – she's an adult. Like, she can have beer. She wants to have a beer, you know, even yeah. though she's not legal. But, like, like, I think the show isn't really saying, like – oh, no, Buffy drank. Right. And I think,
1: like... Sorry, to be clear, I agree with you. That was just, like, when I was... Again, Yes, yes, I sometimes do the little, like, quick Google about things. It's like, oh, apparently people really hate this one for thinking it's too puritanical, but, like, I didn't really get that sense. I thought it was clear that they were saying don't drink too much for the wrong reasons, not never have beer.
0: (laughs) Well, because I also think, like, it's hard to tell, but I sort of had the feeling that in that scene at the bronze, like, Oz and Willow are drinking. Oh, I I didn't... didn't You can never tell because they're always drinking out of solo cups, but, like... Usually yeah, the solo cups are red, and the ones he brought were blue. So I was like, oh, are they drink beer or whatever. Yeah, like, maybe. And, and then as for, like, the Parker thing, like, I think, you know, obviously that conversation he has with Willow is set up to have her, like, kind of see right through him, mm-hmm. and, like, he's trying to pull, like, his moves on her or whatever. Right. But I also think, like, you know, the conversation that they have, like, I think the show is making the point of, like, like, Willow doesn't come out and say you're wrong. Like, I think she's saying, like, You know, that whole situation where Buffy and Willow are coming from, from their experiences Mm -hmm. is, like, sex is really important and because it's, like, someone that you love. But, like, Parker is countering with, like, that's not always the case and, like, it doesn't have to be. And I think Mm -hmm. the show is kind of landing on, like, whatever... Whatever situation you're happy with is like okay. Like I, I, like I think that people who want to see it as some big morality thing is like they're just looking for that. Like,
1: yeah, I just really agree. I think that that's the shallow read on the episode, whereas I think that they're being fairly nuanced about all those conversations. I, I I do. I guess I can. You know, they do only have Parker say like a defensive, casual relationships, and he is like kind of unequivocally a a bad guy in the show. So I can kind of see how like maybe having him say those and having Willow not agree with him at all is kind of. Con- condemning ugh, is kind of, I well, can see, see I how don't people, think I can disagreed see how that, with him. I think but yeah, she did. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. That uh, And I mean, ultimately what they're, yeah.
0: Ultimately, like I think when she tells him, like it's a perspective she hadn't considered, like she's sincere. I agree she's with She's just you. not gonna let him use that to like, it's her not an sleeping excuse
1: because I think, yeah. And then obviously the thing that Parker is doing is that he knows, he knew that he knows that many of these women that he's uh, like sleeping with, do you feel that way? And he's taking advantage of it. So like, that's the thing that he's doing. But the fact that what he's saying isn't completely wrong on its surface, like, I I think that I think for Willow too, right? Like, yeah, exactly. They're coming at it from this place where that is what that means. But I mean, that's why, yeah, these are painful lessons to learn, you know, and, and he is a bad guy.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, I think you're right that it gets a little muddied because of like the character that it's coming from. But mm-hmm. I think Parker, I think it's implied that like he's not wrong. He's just using that for like for his evil. own purposes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, like he should have been upfront with Buffy and like his idea that he's like, well, why did you have to talk about it first? And it's like, you don't have to have this long conversation about your intentions, but like, but, a kind, a of bit, be a, yeah. but kind of be like, no, I mean like not what he's saying, but I mean like just kind of be like, Hey, just so you know, like, I'm not like, this is going to be casual or whatever. Right. Like, that's, you can take the time to do that or whatever. And this kind of goes into the whole thing of, like, conversations around, like, Not consent because Buffy was consenting, but like I
1: know, I was having that thought just now too. You know, it's just
0: like kind of part of the conversation of like communication. Yeah,
1: yeah, is important. But
0: But I I think the reason people like to hate on this episode is because, like, as fun as it is, like the whole caveman conceit is very bad, (laughs) clunky, and also doesn't make (laughs) a lot of sense. Like, I mean, and I don't think
1: that's not a very good representation. I don't think of the whole id concept, but also like, especially now watching this versus maybe watching this in the late nineties is, like, I just don't think Freud is very accurate. You know, like, he's not the person I would turn to for, like, explanations on human behavior. Like, I don't, this whole thing doesn't make sense to me. His whole proposition of ego, id, and superego don't work for me. So, like, then layer on to it that, like, the idea, their concept of the id is supposed to be cavemen, which, like, I also don't think that really makes sense. So, yeah. I think those are the things that are, like, this whole thing is kind of a mess.
0: (laughs) I don't think there's any research out there that's, like, cavemen were only known by their ids, like, what? Mm -hmm. Because, of
1: course, I mean, and if they're early humans, of course they would be showing shadows of all human behavior, not just we used to only act out on emotion, you know, on our most base desires, and then we learned how to control it. I just don't think that is probably accurate.
0: Yeah, I think that's where it kind of falls apart a little bit, but I think that it's still, I think it's a fun episode. Yeah,
1: I agree. And Um, it was
0: satisfying to watch
1: those guys who were being so, like, buy the books like college high, you know like these guys that are just high on their own intellect oh my God, and like it's fun to watch them who, get like, taken
0: down <laughs> spouts the textbook out at people like it's yeah. his own original thoughts like it's terrible
1: and like even I was I even said out loud I was like man these guys deserve what they get and then like five minutes later that's what the bar owner said and I was like oops like I guess I'm siding with the bad guy in this one but like they totally deserve that
0: But you know what? I feel like he was, like, a minor bad guy because compared to, like, Ethan, who, like, this is kind of a similar effect of, like, band candy, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. but Ethan wanted it to be, like, like, it'll kind of wear off, but, like, Ethan's purposes were, like, more nefarious or, like, his other plans were to be, like, more permanent. And this guy is just, like... He's just It'll trying wear off in a few days I'm yeah. just trying to, like, make a point or whatever. Like, yeah. it's... I mean, it only becomes not harmless because Buffy gets turned into a cavewoman and, like, cavewoman well, slayer is really dangerous. True,
1: true. Although those guys were wreaking havoc.
0: Well, that's true. And, like, abducting those girls and mm-hmm. whatever. But, okay, I guess they were pretty harmful, too. But...
1: But I agree um, that I don't think he thought... I think he was just trying to have a little bit of fun and maybe... Yeah, maybe this is a good lesson in why you shouldn't just dabble in magic if you don't know what you're doing. But... <laughs> I think that, yeah, he's not that evil.
0: Yeah, I think he was just fed up, because, like, now we're starting to kind of see this dynamic of, like, townie versus, like, Mm -hmm. students, and, you know, and Xander's kind of struggling a little bit with that.
1: On the lines of that, yeah.
0: I, so,
1: I mean, I have to say that I, this was, like, such a good Xander episode, (laughs) in my opinion. I kept noticing things about him that was like he, I mean, in general, I think there really has been a marked improvement post high school in the way that they're writing Xander. I know that there are still things coming up that are going to ultimately make me not forgive him, you know, kind of like, I know that he's going to do things that are going to seriously piss me off. But that said, I think on the whole, he's so much more tolerable. And like, maybe even like, like, (laughs) I guess the bar is so low, but like, he didn't make any passes at Buffy when she's doing her, even when she was like, you know, in her cave woman persona and she's like started starting to crawl on him. Like he didn't even react to it. It's not even just that he didn't make a gross comment, but like he didn't, he wasn't even fazed by it. And like, I don't know. I just thought a lot of the stuff that he was saying, like, I, I don't know. He was really looking out for her in this episode with no, seemingly no ulterior motives. And that's the first time that we've really ever seen that. Like, again, That's the lowest bar to clear. Like, if you're someone's friend, you should just be their friend. But at the same time, I just... He didn't do anything that annoyed me in this. If anything, he was kind of a good guy.
0: (laughs) No, I think you're right. And I think that's kind of what I've talked about before, where, like, in this rewatch, I've been really surprised by, like, my anger towards Zender that I just didn't remember feeling. And I think some of that is because, like my memory more of the character is based on like the most recent things I've watched, which, mm-hmm. was, which would be like the later episodes. And they really do. You're right in that he's not totally perfect, but like he's definitely not as heinous in the later um, seasons. And I'm,
1: I'm curious how much this is sustained throughout this season and on. Cause I don't, I honestly don't remember, you know, now I, again, like I said, I remember the big moments, but I don't know day to day how they're writing him in this season. So I'm very curious to continue watching
0: yeah, I don't know. I feel like the introduction of Anya does a lot of good for Xander's character. Mm-hmm. Um, giving like him I guess he has someone else, else to, to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, we'll get into it. I mean, this one is... But, I mean, like, getting him involved in the the, the group dynamic again is doing wonders, like, you know. Because mm-hmm. I, I still struggle with the decision of the writers to, like, not do something with Xander. Like, yeah, okay, he doesn't go to college, but, like, why is he just existing like he has no purpose you know and um well
1: but I guess to that point I think this is maybe we'll think about this again too in some again some of the bigger moments in the later seasons for Xander but like I think this is a decent like groundwork episode for what his role in the group can be you know where like he is he's never gonna have superpowers he's a human and he is like limited you know fighting capabilities basically so like what he is is like moral support uh you know and like and an observer and I feel like that was that as now that we're talking about it that's totally what he did in this one he was the one I mean yes did he serve Buffy beer technically but like I I mean again like kind of like what he says to Giles like there's really no reason as a 19 year old to not serve your friend beer if they're having harmless fun um but like he is watching her carefully in the bar and like is aware of like okay she's with those four guys like he seems to just be respectfully keeping taps on her and like watching out for her. I don't know. I guess I'm not making a very coherent point. I just feel like this is kind of in line with where he ends up in the group dynamic
0: as no, someone I who, think yeah, you're right. I think this is a good like example of what Xander's character can be. Um, but I'm saying like, I think part of that is the benefit of like, he's, hanging out with the group in this episode. And it's right, as opposed to having
1: him off on his own.
0: Yeah, and it's like it's not this like weird inorganic thing. It's like, oh, he has a reason to be there. Right. Like, you know, and they kind of call it out in the show. The interesting thing of like finding a purpose, like comparing him, like I was thinking watching this episode of like comparing Xander and Oz because Mm -hmm. I think the show is struggling with what to do with like both of these characters. And we kind of see like like I was thinking in this episode, like why did Oz go to college? Because he never seemed especially driven. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's he took his senior year twice and like yeah. and then he's suddenly in college and like now we see him like skipping class. Right, and like right. it seems to be like like he says that the band had practice, but it seems like he's just not like it's I mean he didn't just skip it once, like he wasn't he there. He skipped at all. it many like, times. I think,
1: yeah.
0: I think he and Willow, you kinda of start to see their like I think part of this is like, yeah, they're laying the groundwork for like this whole them growing apart, Veruca thing. But yeah, they seem to be growing apart. Like Willow's fully into this like academic lifestyle and Oz is like skipping class and Willow just doesn't, uh, she's not going to outright disapprove, but she, she doesn't on some level understand it, you know, like he's also not explaining
1: it to her, you know, like it's, it seems like she doesn't know that he's not going to be there at classes. So she keeps expecting to see him there and then he's not, you know, that is kind of, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I guess it is good groundwork. they're
0: doing yeah but also it made me think of like on the show like the point of these characters like it's been a little shaky the last few episodes of like what do they do with Xander because Mm -hmm. it's hard to tie him into the college scene but Oz who is supposedly tied into the college scene they also don't really seem to know what to do with him right right but maybe that's because they know he's leaving and so they're not making such an effort you know what I mean I do
1: think it's that I mean I think at this you know obviously like this is yeah. Oz isn't going to be on the show much longer. And they did know that. And that is why they're specifically laying groundwork. But I think, so I think you're right in that sense. But, but even trying to think about like, well, how would they have roped him into this is unclear because he really is. A, a, he, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have his own role in the group. He's Will's boyfriend. And he's like yeah. comic relief. And he has his, you know, he has um and you know, his werewolf thing make means that he can be a huge part of the plot sometimes, but I think you're right that he in the group dynamic he doesn't really play a huge part in it. Especially which, if you are also have Xander there, where it's like what what else can someone Yeah, we don't know. Which need I'm both sure them. for
0: Seth Green <laughs> must have been Frustrating to have that be like your your role, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, buddy, suck it up, because like, that's the role that women play all the time. That's like, true. <laughs> the girlfriend, or like the girlfriend with one defining characteristic, and mm-hmm. like you're just the boyfriend with one defining characteristic. Mm-hmm. Like, take I your mean, turn. But <laughs> to
1: his credit, I think he's not wrong that this is the time to write Oz out of the show.
0: Absolutely. You know,
1: and I think it was I, my understanding has always been that it is he was the one that said I don't want to do this anymore, and so that was why they wrote him out. But. Um, like as opposed to the show writers saying, Oz is writing, we're writing about out this season, Seth Green, you know, so like in that regard, I don't think he was wrong to have made that call, but yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to watch that episode. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so I guess what I want to say about uh going back to kind of my weird uh rant at the beginning of this is, so I watched the Good Place finale, right? Season two finale right before I watched this. And I, I without getting into s- specifics, right? Like definitely in season two, and i mean it's also in season 1 but i think specifically in this season a lot of good place has been about like how do we bring philosophical concepts to life like how do you write a story around them and so i think that was a very interesting contrast of like they make a good point and argument in the finale about like what we owe to each other of good place right like and that was kind of i think the the theme of the of the the, the last episode and i think it was it was i guess what i'm saying is it's like it was it makes this Buffy episode look particularly clunky when they're trying to do, and this is going to keep happening in season four, right? Where they try and do these like psychology concepts and then play them out as monsters. It, it never quite is as cohesive as I think it, it could have been. And so I think, especially after watching this good place episode where I was just being reminded of like how well they've done in this season to tie together these really high concepts into something that is still a really coherent plot line and, like, good character moments and to kind of go back and then to, co- you know, contrast that with this episode of Buffy where it's, like, they just say, like, pleasure principle, id, 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 and then it's, like, okay, this isn't really, like, this isn't so cohesive.
0: Well, like, Willow telling Parker to his face right the pleasure principle. Like, yeah. but I think some of it, too, is, like, that's that's what you do in college, right? Is like you I learn, agree. I mean, that's what the guy in the bar is doing. Like, you right. learn a concept and then you just talk about it. Like, you know what you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I think The Good Place, though – it's a hard comparison because that show is like a master class on how to turn philosophy into a TV show. Mm-hmm. But I guess um, it's just
1: specifically season four of Buffy that has this problem, right? Because previously, like, like, high school, your high school emotional problems as demons is still a conceit, right, that I think we both agree, like, worked perfectly. And they executed it really well on a number of occasions. So it's not, I guess that's just, like, particularly when they're trying to do the psychology one, I just don't think it ever really gets, works quite as well.
0: Yeah, and, and and maybe they chose psychology because like, I mean, the it's the like is, quintessential
1: like, college class. Well,
0: yeah, and also like <laughs> human behavior right, metaphors. Right. Like, you they probably right. thought it would be like a rich kind of vein to tap. But
1: I mean, I know when I was in college watching it, I certainly thought it was a richer vein than I do now. <laughs> so, uh, to their credit, I didn't always feel this way. <laughs> Um, I guess the other thing too, though, that is like, I think, again, I kind of touched on this before, but what really is highlighting the difference between the Good Place episode and then this one is that, right, like the Good Place is written in 2017 or 2018. And this Buffy episode was a lot longer ago. And I think my, again, my understanding is that like Freud is more or less fallen out of fashion. Like I don't find anything illuminating about my own personal experiences when I read these explanations of how we behave as summarized by him. Like that stuff just doesn't make sense to me. Whereas I think obviously the Good Place is is contemporary to me and they're working with more modern interpretations of philosophy. Right. Than like, so I think that's also a lot of it this is like, I think in the nineties it was probably really like trendy and cool to do this episode about Freud or to do many episodes about his theories on human behavior. But I think it ultimately like, it just don't make sense to me. I don't think he's is a worthwhile, like it's not a worthwhile dive for me to try and understand human
0: behavior. We'll have to ask Justin how okay. <laughs> respected Freud currently is in the psychological community. I just uh,
1: th- yeah. But I guess I just think everything that I read now in, about explaining the way we behave is, is just a lot more nuanced than, like, you have these three sides and they're all battling each other. Like, I think it's more complicated than that.
0: Well, <laughs> apparently it's all your gut, so... <laughs> That's what I keep reading, is everything's determined by your gut bacteria, so... <laughs> Um, we're just at the mercy of these little guys. Um, so I have a couple, like, random notes about this episode. Um, stuff that I just, like, had questions about that have nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so Buffy trying to wear her pajamas to class and Willow stops her. (laughs) I mean, so many people wear pajamas to class in college. I don't, I think Buffy would have been fine.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe
0: Sunnydale isn't that kind of campus, but, Mm. I mean... The fact that we haven't seen more students wearing PJs in class is, like, misleading, I think. That's true. Um, Also, Xander and Giles just walked into the dorm. And neither of them is a student.
1: Yeah. But that's how it is on UC campuses are like
0: that. Like, the public can just walk into the dorm? No,
1: but it's really easy to, like... I remember visiting my sister on campus and, like, oh, someone just... Somebody opened... Like, the doors lock from the outside... But if somebody is on their way out, you can easily just walk in a door on any floor. It's just not a high-rise with only one entrance. There's entrances all over the floor because it's a one-story building often. So it that checks out to me. Okay. All you had to do was catch someone leaving the building, and then you walk in, and that's it. There's no Nobody checks your IDs. <laughs> BU is very, very specific and not at all the same as other campuses. So that, that part is normal, I think.
0: Okay. And then... Um... How old do you have to be to bartend?
1: I mean, you're supposed to be 21.
0: I thought it was 18. Or is that just serving? I think...
1: I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, that's a good point. But either way, they do make a comment about how Xander's not supposed to have that job and he has a fake ID.
0: Yeah. So that was... That kind of just... I was a little bit confused. Like, I was like, oh, I thought it was was, 18, but...
1: I think you're not... I, I mean, maybe... Again, it's probably very state to state, but I think you're not supposed to serve alcohol if you're not 21. Or at least it used to be that way. Because, again, I remember my brother having a job, and I think that he couldn't serve alcohol because he wasn't 21. Or I've had servers say, like, oh, we can, I have to have someone else bring that to you.
0: And finally, I want to point out that Buffy corrected Xander's French. So... <laughs>
1: she learned something
0: props to Buffy because <laughs> all that tutoring with Willow really paid off
1: <laughs> that's funny because my reaction to that I was like oh there's an accidental arrested development joke in this episode <laughs> of Buffy where somebody doesn't know what how to say brother <laughs> in another language
0: <laughs> but this predates that so it definitely in, does I know
1: really arrested was obviously rest uh, oh my god what's Buffy there. yes thank you yeah um, um. Shoot. Oh, you know, the other thing that I just wanted to remark on before we move on is that I, insofar as uh, seeding things before they really come to a head, I also like that Buffy kind of has this little casual run in with Riley. I think that, yes. that stuff is just really nicely done. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're not hitting the high concepts on the head, but the little moments, I think they're actually doing a great job of. Well, like, we have this great thing that's of, gonna, like,
0: you know, the first time Buffy meets Riley, he obviously has no time of day to give her or whatever. And mm-hmm. this time we see him a little frustrated because, like, she's not even listening to him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, like, you yeah. don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a nice reversal. So. It is.
1: But also I think it's clear at this point that neither of them have really thought much of the other one. They just kind of have, you know, they know each other now because he's the TA for her class. But I also, yeah. I think it's nice that they haven't really, like, neither of them are pining after each other at this point. They're just like, oh, yeah, this is a, some girl I know.
0: Did I ask this question before? Are we ever going to talk about the fact that Buffy dates her TA?
1: Yeah, you did bring that up.
0: Yeah, I, and no one ever comments on how that's kind of not kosher. But, yeah. Mm, okay. Like, even the professor knows about it and doesn't care. Yeah. I'm just going to say that doesn't strike me as realistic. But yeah, agreed. It's TV, and Professor Walsh... As we'll see, has a has soft so, for Riley, so and has
1: her own weird motives.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Finally, even... most important question: uh-huh. Is Calpin attractive?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh right! Oh my god! I can't believe this. Uh, definitely yes. I've always thought yeah. he was attractive. One of our friends posed that question, unrelated to this episode, and then yes. he happened to be in this episode that we were watching.
0: <laughs> I was so excited when I, I love- saw him. I was <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh!"
1: <laughs> I knew he was. I knew he was coming up in this episode, but although I didn't put that together when we were talking on our chat the other day, but um, yeah, yeah.
0: No, I love Calpen. Yeah, no, he I doesn't. think he's, he's
1: great. A cute guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, not sure about the long hair in this one. No.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know what? I want to again when I was googling this episode. Apparently, he's in an episode of Angel. So. Oh. We'll have to be on it's not until season 3 but he's got one more cameo in buffy before he moves on to a political career.
0: Well, this is also pre Harold and Kumar. So. I know.
1: I was just skipping over that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's also in How I Met Your Mother.
0: That's true. He's Andy's had a lot in of Superman little guest
1: spots. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Wait, is that Superman returns? The one with
1: I have not thing? seen yeah, any well, of. Well, whatever the
0: more recent, not the the most recent Superman ones, but the one that Um,
1: The second
0: one,
1: the second Henry Cavill
0: one, the the one with like Kate Bosworth and Kevin Spacey. Oh,
1: I don't know what that is.
0: That was the one they made in like 2006 or something. Oh, that like didn't do well, and then they rebooted Superman to be gritty like Batman. I don't know. Anyway, he plays one of Lex Luthor's henchmen. Interesting. Yeah, that movie's not very good. You shouldn't seek it out. I'm not going to.
1: (laughs) I have pretty strict DC uh, rules, <laughs> rules against watching DC
0: movies. <laughs> They're pretty bad. I can't Except, wait. Did you watch Wonder Woman?
1: No, <gasps> no.
0: Okay. Uh, you should make an exception,
1: but I would consider it. I just don't think it's going to do anything for me. It, it, I think that that one's just mostly going to be like, Oh yeah, this one isn't awful, but I don't feel like I'm I don't know. I don't know. I watched half of it over someone's shoulder on a plane, and I was like, mm, it's so... The CGI and the, like, I don't know. Just the way they shoot all those movies just bugs me.
0: The CGI, okay. Like, the end of the movie, yes, follows the same formula of, like, every single superhero movie ever, and not just DC, like, all the Marvel crap, mm-hmm. too. But, like, up until that point, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think there's a lot of... I
1: It's vaguely on my rate yes I've I would break my rule for that it's not a strict rule but yeah okay you're right that it's it's more about
0: like like I don't know like her being a woman in this world that like isn't very like easy for women but like she just doesn't care and she's Mm -hmm. kind of a badass it's like really cool
1: yeah um just to confirm you were right Superman Returns and Ah. it did come out in 2006 (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) so well done I don't remember this movie happening at all
0: um yeah, oh, know, right. So they, that was
1: when the guy... They, oh, my God. Quite there was the they wanted it to. There was another Superman. It was the guy from um, Scott Pilgrim, who plays the third boyfriend. Yes. Yes. I forgot that there was another Superman before current Superman. Yes. Right, right, right.
0: The guy who looks weirdly like Christopher Reeve. He does. Yeah. Um, he is now on one of the CW superhero shows. Interesting. Which I think he's okay on TV. I don't know that he was ever going to be a movie star. but He's great as a vegan. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, tell me the plot of Room with a View.
0: Okay. Um, so in Room with a View, which, by the way, the title took me yeah. forever to realize it's because of the real estate listing. Same,
1: same. I only figured that out when I was looking, opening it up before we talked. I was like, oh,
0: I get it. <laughs> um, they just took all the vowels out. Um, so... Uh, Cordelia is getting really frustrated with her living situation. She's in a really crappy apartment, and she's got cockroaches and, like, all this stuff. So she decides, like, enough is enough. She's got to get a new apartment. She decides she's going to move in with Angel in the meantime, and that horrifies Angel because Cordelia is a slob, as we've seen. (laughs) um, Somehow getting peanut butter in the bed and, like, deciding to dig up his linoleum floors and, like, all this stuff. (laughs) And so... Doyle, on his never-ending quest to get in Cordelia's pants, is trying to help her out with Mm -hmm. this. Um, And so he, like, after going with her to view, like, five crappy apartments, he's like, I know a guy, like, we'll get you a good one. And so they find this, like, amazing apartment, rent control, like, someone just broke their lease. It's, like, beautiful. Um, So Cordelia is, like, over the moon, like, she's like, I have this great apartment, And, um, but the first night she stays there, like she starts to realize like this apartment is seriously haunted, Mm -hmm. like stuff moving around, like, um, you know, and, and not like in a, in a charming, like, Oh, that's not where I left it kind of way. Like in a, Oh, this stuff, like this ghost is trying to hurt me kind of way. Um, so, um, Doyle and Angel come over and Cordelia's trying to hide the fact that it's haunted from them because she knows they're going to make her leave and she Mm -hmm. doesn't want to give up this apartment. Um, so they figure it out because the ghost is really nasty, like a nasty poltergeist. And, um, so they slowly investigate and figure out, like, it's this old woman who died seemingly of a heart attack, but they assume maybe she was murdered and that's why, um, she's become like a violent ghost and that the story is that her son killed her and like skipped town. Mm Um, so, as they get into this, they start to realize, like, this ghost is really malevolent. Like, she tries... Like, there's a series of victims that she's murdered, but made it look like a suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, so, she's trying to do the same with Cordelia. Like, Angel and Doyle find her hanging from, like, a wire from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the whole time, like, she's preying on Cordelia's psychological, um, like, vulnerabilities right now. Because, yeah. like, Cordelia's feeling really... Yeah, feeling really insecure. Like, she used to be really popular and really rich. And, like, she had all this stuff. And now her life kind of sucks and she's feeling like she's being punished for being a bad person Mm -hmm. Um, and the ghost is totally playing on that but then unfortunately for her like reminding Cordelia that she's like a mean person only serves to bring out Cordelia's like (laughs) badass bitch and Cordelia basically like kind of helps to like banish the ghost a little bit until um, she comes back but then in doing that she releases the spirit of this woman's son who turns mm. out had not murdered his mother she had in fact walled him up in her wall in the apartment wall yeah a, cask of a style. yeah exactly um while he was alive like basically buried him alive and he died Ooh. and so he's pissed and he comes and gets rid of that ghost and which is great for cordelia because she wanted to get rid of that wall anyway um, and it had a body in it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so Cordelia gets to keep the apartment and it, all she has is, a um, the son's ghost slingers, and kind of, he's like a benevolent ghost. Now, <laughs> like, her changing the channel on the TV and like, you know, um, we'll see in the future he kind of serves as a little helper and mm-hmm. everything. Um, so that's the story of how Cordelia gets her apartment. In the meantime, we see a little bit more hinting at Doyle's shady past because, um, I guess he owes some debts and some demons come to collect, Mm -hmm. but they decide they're going to kill him instead. And so Angel offers to help Doyle with his problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of dovetails nicely with the ghost where the ghost ends up killing a few of the demons and (laughs) kind of takes them out and they deal with that. But Angel's more concerned of like the way Doyle's choosing to live his life Mm -hmm. and what he thinks like he deserves or you know what his reasons are for this and so we kind of get an idea that we're hinting more at like Doyle's past yeah um, so maybe we'll see a little bit more of that but you know I think overall I have to say this was the first episode of Angel where I was like okay that was a good episode
1: yeah I think it, this like, was a better my, yeah this is one of the better ones that they've done
0: yeah I think it might be the first like actually good episode well
1: I still like the pilot
0: Right, but other than the pilot. Okay, I mean, yeah. like, because everything since the pilot everything has since just the pilot's been, been pretty bad. <laughs> kind of a mess. And But this is the first one where, like, you have the whole team working yeah. on this one problem to solve. It's, like, yeah. a very Cordelia focused episode. Yeah. Like, we're getting into, like, her struggles with, like, her new life. Um, Angel seems, you know, at least partially aware of her, her past and why she would be struggling.
1: Yeah. Um, well,
0: mm-hmm. although I've never, ever heard the term cordettes before. No. <laughs>
1: Um, I think actually what, what I thought about at the end of this episode, I think one of the reasons why it works is because I think kind of like we were saying about Buffy, although that one is mixed success, but it's more complicated for Buffy. Um, this kind of is going back to the old Buffy model of like, they start the episode by Cordelia. It's clear that Cordelia is having insecurities and then they make a monster specifically meant to confront that, you know, or to kind of embody that. And then they band together as a group to defeat it. So I think that that is like a really classic Buffy structure of an episode. And I think that that is one of the reasons why this one works better. I mean, and granted also is better because like, I mean, Cordelia is kind of out of all these, you know, Angel is the titular character and he's going to become very interesting, but right now he's not. And Doyle is a monster that I can't wait to be rid of. So like focusing on Cordelia is also, I think, a nice move on the show's part. And that couple that with one thing that I think they kind of flubbed at the end But I really liked the way that they tied together Cordelia's situation with Angel's redemption arc of like, I thought that was really touching when she was saying like, oh, I thought that this was just me being punished for everything that I've ever done. And so getting this apartment means more to me than just being wealthy and having status again. It means that like I've been forgiven cosmically. And I think that that was like those things were really good thoughts, I think. So, yeah, I think that this they fit. They picked a more classic structure. They picked a more interesting character. And then they have some nice like themes working their way into it so I think yeah this is just like a much better episode than what they've been doing
0: yeah I think you also raised like an interesting point is that Angel so far has been kind of a background character on yeah
1: yeah Um, which is it's it's cool but because they don't have enough other interesting side characters it's not really working yet you know I like giving him a really slow burn because I think that is a good way to tell his story but yeah like They're trying it with Kate, and she's just still insufferable. And, like, Doyle is just even worse than Xander ever was. So it's, like, that's the part, I think, that's not working for the show is that they don't have a good ensemble yet to kind of carry this, like, slow burn story for Angel.
0: Yeah. um, So does no one care that Doyle is basically sexually harassing Cordelia I mean, it was so
1: bad. I, I get, like, I'm so angry about it. Yeah. yeah, it's just he's just so disgusting. And I I know we've said this before, but it's like he doesn't even have the excuse of being a 16-year-old boy. Like he is a full-grown adult who she is barely an adult. So like everything about this is inappropriate and she has repeatedly turned him down. It's not like she's playing coy or being like you know, like he literally in the first episode in the first few minutes of this is like, oh, she's so difficult to get to know. I'm like, You've literally said nothing to her that wasn't a disgusting come on. And like, not just a come on, but like a gross one. Like you offer her that she can stay in your bed, basically. Like, no, no wonder she doesn't want to talk to you, you maniac. Like, why isn't Angel saying, like, oh, stop it? You know, I, I mean, I, I Angel was wondering needs that, to like get like, it like, together too.
0: Does Angel either not care or notice that it's happening or does he not even register it as sexual harassment? I think it's the the latter.
1: I think this is, you know, again, like, it is a little bit tough to watch some of these in the current climate and, like, just be thinking, like, God, this is, all of this is inappropriate and everybody needs to be doing something to stop it. and Like, nobody is. But I do think, too, that said, like, I think, you know, the first time that we watched this, I don't remember having that reaction. I think you just, uh, we were all so used to this being normal that, like, it just didn't even jump out.
0: Oh, how charming. Doyle has a crush. Like Right. Yeah. I don't know.
1: But like you it's... and I watch these episodes together. I don't remember ever having this conversation. No. So no, and not to say like that we're terrible monsters, just that like it really is a thing that we're all socialized to just think is normal. Yeah. And Angel it, it, the show is doing its part to kind of help that. So
0: It didn't trip any bells until this this current watch through where I was like, hang on a second. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they uh, they do work together, so it's extra inappropriate. Not that it would have been okay otherwise, but yeah. in yeah. um, better characterizations. I do like this depiction of Angel as kind of a neat freak who wants his stuff to be nice. Because <laughs> like you were saying, it's not just that Cordelia's a slob or it is that Cordelia's is a because, like, he also makes a comment about her putting her wet towel on his leather chair. Like, yeah. man, Angel, you're really particular. Like, I'm on your side because you're right. She's also a guest and she should really be behaving better. But, like, it is funny that he's just, like, his apartment is always very nice and neat. He has always had, like, you know, decent decor choices, you know? So, like, oh, I guess that that's one of Angel's characteristics is that he's neat and stylish. It's
0: like Cordelia thinking Angel understood where she was coming from because he used to have that mansion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, um, No, I did kinda like that little like we're starting to see a little bit more like the idiosyncrasies of Angel, which mm-hmm. is it's nice thing. Yeah. Um, so also the ghost is Beth Grant. Yes,
1: I was literally just which gonna say that.
0: I loved. As I soon loved. as she started talking, I was like, I'm not even afraid anymore. Like it's Beth Grant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I feel like the opposite. I feel like she almost always plays like zealot over the top characters. Like no, but I creepy mean, like, ones
0: as a ghost, like I mean, she was a really violent, creepy ghost, but, like, all I could think was, like, it's Beth Grant. (laughs) Wait, but
1: what do you know her from?
0: Like, Mindy Project, and she was on... Oh, my God!
1: Okay, you're right.
0: Yeah, and she was on um, a bunch of the... Brian. Is it Brian Fuller? The the guy who did um, Pushing Daisies and um, Wonderfalls. mm -hmm. Like, she was some bit characters in that, and... um, I forgot about
1: Mindy Project. But she's... So, the first thing that I ever saw her in was Donnie Darko, and she plays, like, the town zealot yeah like she's like super over the top christian like scary uh and then she's also in an episode of six feet under doing kind of something similar and so those are kind of my associations with her of like oh she does always play these like characters that take a moral conceit too far of like she doesn't want her son to be with some trollop but like her reaction to that is to bury him alive in a wall that plays more with a like donnie darko like kind of thing
0: yeah. I forgot that she's done um, all those other
1: things too. I do she's really. She's done love a bunch her. of
0: other stuff, and I'm pretty sure she was mm-hmm. Dwight's nanny on the office. Yes,
1: you're totally right. Yes. <laughs> his, his date to the dinner party.
0: Yes. So I was very happy to see her show up. Although yeah, like me this too. is all she did this show before all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. But um she's like the muffin lady or something on um, um what's it called? Um Wonderfalls, and then that universe is sort of tangentially related to Pushing Daisies, so mm. I think she shows up again as that character that's in funny. Pushing Daisies. Um, um, I think it's
1: weird... Sorry, could if you have more Beth Grant thoughts. No, I okay. don't. Sorry, I don't know why I just jumped off. Um, I think it's funny that you mentioned this in your kind of summary that, like, Cordelia doesn't want to tell them about the ghost because she thinks they're going to make her leave the apartment, but that's kind of, like... Their whole thing is that they fight supernatural beings. So, like, Angel is kind of the first person she should tell and be like, can you help me get rid of this ghost?
0: Well, because I think she doesn't realize how violent the ghost is. Like, yeah. I think she's just like, oh, I can deal with a little haunting. Like, this But it sucks, still doesn't like-
1: make any sense that she wouldn't tell Angel.
0: No, but I think like because they do immediately make her leave, but like I know, and she's just like, I found this great apartment. I'm not giving it up.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, into that end though, she's right. If you find a rent controlled apartment that has a beautiful view and is a wonderful otherwise, like you stay there no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> ghost be damned. You're, that's your apartment.
0: <laughs> Unless the ghost wants to kill you.
1: No, I, I'm on. I think Cordelia made the right choice here. You
0: can't. Leave. I mean, if the ghost tries to kill you, you got to take care of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise, you're gonna die. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But yeah, I did, I did like, again, I think the very last scene of this episode, I think they shouldn't have done. I think that was a bad way to end it. Um, because Cordelia was like being bitchy on the phone with her friend again, kind of. Um, but up until that point, I think it was a really nice, like there, and I hadn't thought about it, but Cordelia has been pretty tame in Angel and like. I I think part of it is that she's maturing and growing up, but the other part that I didn't think about until this episode is like, she is hurting and in a bad spot in her life. And she did, you know, as much as she was superficial, it is also tough. I think she's not, I'm not unsympathetic to her situation, which is that they lost everything and she couldn't do any of her plans because her parents made terrible decisions, you know, like that isn't really her fault. Um, But yeah, so I guess I think that, again, like I said, I really liked the arc of her feeling like she was being punished and like realizing that like, I I think her confrontation with the ghost scene was really well done where she's realizing like, Oh, I can use that part of me to fight demons and to do good in the world. Whereas in that very last scene, it's like, Oh, then she was just being bitchy for being for its own sake. So I think that that part kind of flubbed it for me, but I think if we take that part out is a really nice scene about kind of like her reclaiming her identity and figuring out what that means as she's getting older and maturing and like what she's going to do with that. And I think that that's like a really, that's like the most fun part of Cordelia, right? It's like watching her turn evil on monsters. It's like, Oh, you can't even like, there's that then that homecoming episode in Buffy in season two or three, right. Where they like, um, they think that Cordelia is one of the slayers and she just like scares a vampire away with her words.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't like her saying she's not a cry Buffy, though. <laughs> I kind of did. <laughs> I didn't get it. I was like, I mean, Buffy, Buffy does... doesn't cry in the face of, like, but I think, evil? But I
1: think that that is kind of Cordelia and Buffy's relationship, is that, like, yeah, I don't know. They're not good friends, and Buffy was always whining about Angel in season two, and I think maybe that's just kind of where Cordelia's coming from. But, I mean, I you're know. right. It did that, make
0: like, me laugh a little bit, but I was you... like, hey, yeah. hello, like, cheap shot. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, although it was funny. So. Yeah. Um, if you had no idea what Buffy was though and you were watching this show, you'd be a little confused. Yeah. Um Yeah. I mean I did kind of like the fact that like you know, the ghost tries to kill her and it's like really traumatic and like we don't see Cordelia immediately like bounce back and like like she's totally like incapacitated. Yeah for a long time. Yeah. Angels like I mean, you could argue that he's being really mean to her or cruel, but he's really trying to snap her out of it and, mm-hmm. like, get her up to save herself, you know? Like, he's like, get off your ass. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he's
1: trying to do to her what the ghost ultimately ends up doing, right? Which is, like, snap her out of it and be like, you, yeah, like, give her a jolt. But it's not until the ghost says something to her that it happens.
0: yeah. Well, um, she calls her a bitch and Cordelia's yeah, exactly. like, you're, you're right, right, I yeah. am.
1: <laughs> I think that was a nice also like version of reclaiming a word. And I think, again, like, I think I know some people who don't like using that word no matter what. But I think that it's, I like, I like the Cordelia version of like, you're right. And here's how I'm going to show you what that, how that's a good thing. Yeah. Um. There was also a little moment in here that uh, I thought was a very nice, also kind of like Buffy Buffy-esque where Cordelia at the end of this was she she says something like I knew I didn't like that wall because they find out that's yeah. the wall that the mom had built to bury her son and I was like that is a very like season one Buffy spotting vampires because of their bad fashion choices like Cordelia's doing the same thing but with interior design like she now just needs to follow that instinct all the time of like mm, something about that wall is wrong let me investigate it
0: <laughs> yeah it's not like oh something about that wall is giving me the creeps it's it needs to come down yeah <laughs> No. I I was happy that, you know, like, this is the first episode since the pilot that I've watched where I wasn't like, ugh, that was rough to get through. Yeah. So that was, that was lovely. Although,
1: not to, like, harp on this, but, the do- I mean, I don't care. Like, they do kind of make this big point about, like, angels telling Doyle he needs to come clean about his past and he needs to start living in a different way, and I was like, they're trying, I think, to kind of... You know, in a, in that way, like lay groundwork for something that's going to come up later. And like, first of all, I don't remember what it is, and secondly, I don't care. <laughs> like, I like they ended the episodes almost with Angel being like Doyle. One day you're going to have to confront this stuff. And I was like, cool, whatever.
0: Like, well, move all on. All that made me try to kind of wonder about was like, at this point, we're five episodes in. Doyle's going to last for like four more. Mm-hmm. Like they must have known now, <laughs> right? That, yeah, that he was leaving. Yeah. I don't know i I one time I read more about the history of this and I just haven't looked at it in a while, I should, mm-hmm. should look into that. I think that actor is actually dead. oh, yeah, you might be right, um, but that's not why he left angel. I right. think he had issues, but um yeah, I should look into that a little mm. bit more. that's sad, yeah, um uh, yeah, as much as I hate Doyle, that's sad for the actor right um. Well, that, that I think is all I have about that episode. Yeah, same. So,
1: um, yeah. But it was nice. I like, I think, like I said, I think focusing on Cordelia was the right move because it kind of is fleshing out the um, ensemble a little bit better than they've been doing. Though it's still going to take a while before we really hit our stride.
0: <laughs> well, this is the first episode that focuses on anyone in the ensemble, mm-hmm. I think, instead of like a new case of the week person. Mm hmm. Which I think is the way to do it. I agree. I mean, obviously, they, you're right. There's not enough of an ensemble to do that every week, but um, it's a nice change. Mm-hmm. So. Um, okay, so do you have any <laughs> pop culture? Um,
1: I don't. Well, I do. And I've already touched on it, and I'm sorry to be this person, but I just, the only thing that I can think about is both, Uh, His Dark Materials, finishing that book and also finishing season two of um, what's it called? (laughs) The Good Place. Like I just was in such a good like I was just in such a good place yesterday morning having finished both of those things and I just if you still haven't listened to our recommendations about one or both of those things I just would take a moment to consider it I think The Good Place is just fantastic I can't say enough good things about it.
0: Uh, also, we got treated to Ted Danson revisiting his Sam Malone character. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> like He was like halfway through that scene and I went, wait a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> He's polishing glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the only thing I didn't like about the finale was that Jason and Tahani weren't in it.
1: Oh, I know. That was tough. Because I kept waiting clearly... for them to switch
0: to like another character perspective and then they never did.
1: But so. how... I mean
0: it's a show about Eleanor so
1: I but like it is and there. I guess I'm trying to say this in a non-spoilery way because this is a thing that is airing but like Chidi is the character who teaches everybody philosophy because that's that was his profession and that's his profession and there is a scene where they're watching one of his lectures and that is like kind of I I have to go back and remember when they said this if that was always the name of his his book was what we owe to each other I forget because they've definitely said that phrase before but like I thought that was a very beautiful moment. Like watching his lecture about it, I thought, you know, again, like in this, like 2017 was a rough year. 2018 is not getting much better. And at least in like politically and like culturally, but it was really nice to just watch something positive. That is like, I think that show really is about being a good person and why we should be moral. And I think it makes a really good case for it. That has nothing, t- you know, that isn't grounded in religion and it isn't grounded in other things. It, You know, and that was kind of the whole point of that last episode is like, What's the point in being good if you're not going to be rewarded for it? And I think they made a really good case for it. And I thought that was like such a nice shot of positivity into the world that like is mostly not there in the rest of my pop culture. That like I just really appreciated it. That
0: was the argument you know, that I actually wanted to make. Was like Michael Sure, exactly show characteristic. Because like Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec is the most warm and fuzzy show about government exactly that has ever been made. But I think the thing I so I. Cannot watch the finale of Parks and Rec without bawling. Yeah. And I think part of it is because <laughs> it's just this group of people who love each other so much. Mm-hmm. And, like, you see that they get all these things that they deserve because they're just yeah. good people. And it's, like, the most satisfying thing. Well, and again, because, like, I think...
1: I mean, I don't want to blame Christopher Nolan exclusively for this, but like we really, as a culture just got so into like as a pop cult in in pop culture, we got so invested in telling gritty stories that that has been the predominant thing for so long. Like there are, there is a time and a place for that. And there are ways that I enjoy it, but I think for a while we've just been equating gritty with good and fluffy with bad. And that's like, so not true. And again, I just really appreciate Michael Schur's voice in the world saying like, you can still tell these stories where people get what they deserve. And it's nice. Like, Everything doesn't have to be terrible. (laughs) The world is already terrible. Like, maybe we just watch some things where things are good sometimes.
0: Yeah, people can still be idealistic and believe the good things are going to happen. So, Mm -hmm. Um, no, I agree with you. I thought this season of The Good Place was... So, the finale of season one was amazing, but I was also like where do they go like I mean that's been the question
1: for this show the whole time is like where are you going with this (laughs) buddy
0: but they they really nailed it and I think some of that probably comes from the freedom of only doing like 12 or 13 episodes like you know it's a shorter season which I think for this show is a must Mm -hmm. because there's no way you can sustain (laughs) 22
1: episodes of this no there's just no way yeah I agree um
0: without making everyone sick of it Mm -hmm. but um no I thought this was great and and yet another twist and you're like I can I can watch this. Mm-hmm. So
1: I do hope that they end the series when it is time. You know, and that it doesn't get stuck in a like seven season thing when it's maybe not the right fit, but I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. For now it's still doing it for me.
0: Yeah. I you know that's a good question because NBC's recent track record of shows like to have Hits again is like you know, Mm -hmm. and And I don't know what the viewership is or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the viewership is for The Good Place really, but I I hope that they've got a plan. Mm So anyway, they're wait, did you say they're rebooting The Office?
1: Yeah, isn't that a thing? I guess I didn't verify Um, it, but I saw a bunch of headlines about it. With, I like, a new really cast. I hope not. With a new cast, is what I've heard. Which makes it... I don't know. It's bad either way. I don't want either of Does those that things. Does make it better? No, why, it doesn't. Why I just think it's notable.
0: Why can't we just have new shows? Yeah. I don't know. Why are we rebooting everything? I don't understand. Um, I, you know what I was thinking about watching this episode of Buffy was remembering that they greenlit a show about cavemen. And it was the oh cavemen my God, from, the from Geico Oh,
1: my God. Oh, you're right.
0: And And I think about that a lot. Because I think about... Rather than, there were probably some really good pilots Mm -hmm. or potential shows that they passed over in order to put a marketing gimmick on TV because they probably, like, focus grouped it. And people were like, oh, I love those guys. And they're like, would you watch a 30-minute show about it? And they're like, sure. yeah Not thinking about whether that's a thing that needed to exist because it wasn't.
1: You know the other, for whatever reason, I mean, like, obviously Hollywood is full of making bad reboots all the time, and that's, like, been true for a decade now, or and also forever, but I remember I had to walk by a billboard for, like, the remake of Ben-Hur for, like, a month. I was like, is of all the movies in the Hollywood catalog to remake, like... Ben-Hur is only iconic because of how and when it was made, and it's such a stupid thing to remake. Like, who cares about that story now? Nobody. You know, we care about Ben-Hur because of Charlton Heston and, and like, the, the things that were involved in making a movie like that at the time. But, like, I'm not interested in seeing a cgi like, chariot race. That's the worst version of that that you could do. That made me so mad every time I walked by it. Like, of all the also, movies to remake, why are you remaking that one?
0: <laughs> Ben-Hur seems like an odd choice to make unless, like, you're funding it by some, like, religious exactly like I exactly yeah Ugh. basically the, the ultimately the story of Jesus It like, is. yeah <laughs> a little bit odd to remake that as well but again but. and
1: it's like the only that like it kind of still works for me because like it has this like nostalgia factor where like that isn't quite as jarring as it is and I think as it would be to make that movie now whatever I didn't see it obviously because what a waste of time and money <laughs> they could have made 20 good movies for that one terrible budget <laughs>
0: Well, I remember your dad made us watch that. Yeah. And, like, I sat down, like, I think I came in, like, halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then we got through the chariot race and everything. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, what is this movie about? Well, that's like, like we used to watch that
1: movie a lot in Catholic school because it's about Jesus. <laughs>
0: But like whenever you look like, you know, when people are counting down like the top hundred best Mm -hmm. films or whatever, like it's always on there. But no one's ever, ever mentioning the fact that it's like basically a sequel to like the Ten Commandments. I mean,
1: I do think that it, it, you know, that is something I think that that's the sort of thing, though, where it's like, is that movie is maybe that is like it is the point of the movie, maybe, but it's not really why that's a good movie. I think that that movie does actually tell an interesting story about like, you know, warring brothers and that that is like kind of a iconic story to tell. And then that it, I guess I'm just saying, like, I think you can kind of ignore that. And then the, there is still a lot there to appreciate.
0: I wonder if they took that out of the remake. Me too.
1: Probably not though. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to look at it. No. I don't want to know. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Tell me, what is your recommendation?
0: Um, well, I recently started rewatching Gavin and Stacy. I was
1: thinking about that show the other day. I and think we're going to watch it soon.
0: Well, So the way I got it, I didn't get the complete series. Okay. I had beef with Eric about that. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because he hasn't fixed it. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I did end up buying the third season to finish watching it. Um, And it's just so, so... like. This show, I think part of the nostalgia for me is like I discovered this show on Netflix one night when I was staying up to like 3 a.m. knitting Christmas stockings.
1: And I think I watched the
0: entire first season in one night. I I mean, it's only six episodes. And then I like, it's only three episodes plus a Christmas special, but like, I was watching it and I was like, it's just like if I were to ever meet James Corden in person, Mm -hmm. like, I would just give him a big hug because it's like one of those shows where like, it's kind of like Parks and Rec, where it's like it's just about the interactions between people, really, mm-hmm. and about like an ultimately a group of good people and how they go through life and interact with each other because they're kind of brought together by Gavin and Stacy mm-hmm. who meet and marry very quickly. And, um, but like I, I'm always struck by like the side characters are like really what makes this show amazing. Like mm-hmm. Nessa is just crass and awful and like all this stuff but she's also just so funny and like this time I'm watching I'm like I don't know how old she's supposed to be like (laughs) you know there's all these allusions to her dating like um the owner of Harrods and his son and his son is the one that died in the car crash with Princess Diana like um which that joke went over my head like the first three times I watched interesting like finally one day I was like oh my god that's funny (laughs) yeah um you know allusions to them having a threesome with russell brand and like all this stuff is just like (laughs) kind of like these throwaway jokes but like it's so good but there was this episode in season three where they all literally get together and they like order all this indian food and then the rest of the episode is they just get drunk (laughs) and like it's just like you're watching this people this group of people literally just get drunk and like it's just so funny. And at that point, I was like, they've got these characters dialed in so well yeah. that, like, this is actually entertaining to watch. Yeah. And it's great. So, um, I think it's mostly available on Amazon Prime if you buy it. Oh, um, okay. Probably on iTunes as well. Although That's good, though,
1: because for a long time you couldn't buy it.
0: Right. Um. The third season was only, like, $5. Hmm. Um, the first season for some reason is more expensive but I think overall like the seasons on streaming aren't that expensive because mm-hmm. um, there's only six episodes really per season maybe seven in the second season mm-hmm. um, but it's just super fun and if anyone's a fan of the History Boys there's like the easter egg of that of like that's the play and the movie that James Corden did <laughs> and a bunch of the guys that were in that also show up as their group of friends mm-hmm. as well so that's kind of fun um, and, and then obviously there's like British actors that you recognize from somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, you're like, oh, I've seen that person before. Probably so, in Harry Potter. Um, actually, the um, the mother like of Gavin, the actress who plays her, uh-huh. she was on Orphan Black.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Um, she showed up hmm. in some of the later seasons, and so like I remember watching Orphan Black, and I was like where do I know her from? Why is this driving me nuts? And then I went, oh my God, it's Pamela. <laughs> and the characters could not be more different. So, yeah. And I think she also played um, Mrs. Bennett in some version of Pride and Prejudice that okay. I watched. Interesting. I don't remember which one, not the Keira Knightley one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was the, um, maybe it was the, the Colin Firth one. Mm. I don't know. That doesn't seem right. But anyway, long-winded explanation of Everyone should check out the show. And speaking of remakes, they tried to remake it and it didn't go, mm. which I was like extremely relieved. But also, like, let's be honest, I totally would have watched.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I think it was it was with Jason Ritter and Alexis Bledel. Interesting. Yeah, mm. I, I'm curious how that would have turned out. Yeah. But ultimately, I'm glad that it I didn't. just have this yeah. little capsule of a show. So. Well.
1: Next week we're gonna watch Wild at Heart. Which is the Oz episode.
0: Is it? Yeah. Is that the one where... Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah. And then... Oh boy.
1: And then I think another nosedive for Angel. <laughs> Sense and Sensitivity, which I'm, like, briefly reading the description, and I... I don't remember the plot, but I think I remember the emotional fallout of this one, and I think I don't care about it. This is... It's, like, a Kate-centric episode, and I think it doesn't do her any favors for me.
0: Is this about an empath?
1: Um, me... Ish. Yes. Okay. No, not who you're thinking.
0: No. Okay. Like, like an impact demon or something. N- not or? the karaoke no. one. No. Okay. Then yeah, there's no, like no. people get
1: emotional because of a demon.
0: Oh, okay. This isn't what I'm thinking Mm-mm. of then.
1: It's like her dad's retirement party.
0: Yeah. No, I'm not thinking of um.
1: I can't think of his name. <laughs> to <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> Lauren.
0: Yeah. I'm not thinking of him. I'm okay. just like, I. I I have a problem with these early season ones. I know. One I just really don't like, remember them. Don't remember a lot of them.
1: I, well, whatever. We'll watch the episode and we'll see what happens. I think I remember the the end of it, and I don't. I think I'm going to be annoyed. Okay. But I'm excited to watch Wild at Heart. Yes. If not, sad.
0: Well, I'm yeah. sad. It's a bit of a gut punch. Yeah. But um, it's <sighs> enough for Seth Green, I think. Yeah. So
1: okay, i well, will talk to you next okay. week.
0: All right. Bye. Bye. Once More With Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music
1: is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
0: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast.
1: You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.